Hello, Tobela, Dumelang, Realocha, and welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Human Becoming, a podcast about the depths of our humanity, returning to who we are, and the beauty and chaos of this human experience. I've grown tired of saying hello and having the same introduction, so today I'm substituting Tobela, Dumelang, Realocha for hello, which are all Sipedi greetings for those of you who are curious as to what I am saying. Thank you for joining me today. I am excited to see what unfolds in this episode. We are going to be speaking about anger, one of my favorite emotions, a force that has the capability to be hugely transformative when it is understood, and an emotion that I really want to honor and give praise to. I played with the title of this episode for a while, but I've landed on Healing with Anger. At first, I was going to name this episode Healing Anger, and the following episode Healing with Compassion, but I didn't like the polarization that created. We heal from anger, but we heal with compassion. I thought about healing anger and healing compassion to emphasize that anger is healing and so is compassion, but I'm landing on healing with anger because I believe that anger, like pain, grief, joy, and love, is a medicine. One might ask, or at least one part of my brain retorts, what kind of medicine? (laughs) Anger is slightly different to some of these aforementioned experiences. Emotions feels too small here as a descriptive word, but I'll oscillate between emotion and experience to describe anger. But I believe the power of this medicine is in what it shows us, in what it leads us to, essentially what it points towards. When I picture anger, I think of an ushering of someone standing in the dark and pointing me towards something else, something greater, perhaps. And I think, in the face of this anger, we should look up, look at the anger, at this teacher, directly, and ask them what they are showing us, what they would like us to see or know. I'd like to say that anger is a complicated emotion, but I don't think it is, I think we all have a complicated relationship with anger, and I want to honor that hearing me speak about this enormous emotion might bring up a variety of different responses for you. Some of us have a fearful relationship with anger. Some of us carry deep shame about our capacities for anger. Some of us are unable to access our anger at all because we have never been allowed to express it fully or have been judged and shamed for expressing it fully. Whatever reaction you are having, or will have, I invite you to breathe. This process of deep listening can be so healing and transformative if you allow it to be. So, before we get into today's episode, I ask you to ground deeply in place and in your body. Breathe the world in, connect with your body, and breathe out. As I continue to talk about anger, notice your reactions. Notice your thoughts. Are you going into defensiveness or passivity? Notice the sensations in your physical body too. Is your chest clenched or relaxed? 
How deeply are you breathing, or are you noticing differences in your breath? Is there tension anywhere in your physical body? As I speak, are you going into shame about your own anger or feelings of judgment, for me or for yourself? Here, I'm not asking you not to judge me, which may sound strange, but I see the two of us as being in a relationship with one another. I am showing up authentically in all that I am, and in doing that, I am inviting you to show up in all that you are. This stretches throughout the podcast, but when judgment arises towards me, don't squash it or judge yourself for judging me and then you find yourself in a judgment spiral. Instead, I would invite you to pay attention to why judgment is coming up for you. Many have said this, but the things that we judge in others are usually the things that we judge in ourselves. Dear listener, None of your thoughts or emotions or feelings are good or bad. They simply are. And the more that you can accept them, the more that you can pay attention to them and see them, the more they will be able to teach you. So, allow all emotions to surface, and know that they are surfacing because they are a part of you. And they give you invaluable insight into your mind, body, and spirit, into who you are in all of your humanity, in all of your complexity, in all of the experiences that have shaped you and how you interact with the world. As a note on how I am thinking about this podcast, I see us as being in a relationship lab where, as I said before, I show up authentically, and I allow and invite you to show up authentically as well. In this way, I don't want you to passively witness, but rather to actively, deeply listen and engage. I invite you to show up fully, and I know this might not be how you're used to listening to podcasts, but you and I are in a relationship, we're in dialogue, and you can consume that which feels like the best operative word for how we are so used to engaging with art and media. Or you can be in it, with me. My heart's desire is that you will show up and immerse yourself in this connection that we have. It is my deepest belief that we learn in relation to others. Being in relation allows us to see how we show up, it allows us to be triggered by another person, or rather, it allows our stuff to be hooked into by another person. I like to use this language of hooking because I think that's what happens in so much of our lives. We have our stuff, for example, my abandonment wound. There are so many things that people do or say, intentionally or unintentionally, that hook into this wound and bring the feelings and sensations associated with it to the fore. In this way, my wound has been hooked into, and I say this to remove blame from the equation. I own that this wound is my own, and I honor that it has been hooked into, without turning to another and feeling blame and resentment at their unknowing hook, or without dishonoring myself and ignoring that a hooking has occurred. And that hooking gives me invaluable information about myself, 
Why did this particular action or idea hook into my fear of abandonment? What does that tell me about the geography, the landscape of that particular wound, about its crevices and its valleys? Maybe something totally unexpected hooked into the wound, and that only serves to bring me into greater awareness of the wound if I can meet the hooking with curiosity, instead of immediately going into my triggered abandonment response and acting from there. What we need so often in these moments is to take a deep breath, to notice our impulse towards our triggered response and often our impulse to run away from this response, catching ourselves in a peculiar dance. Instead, I invite you to inhabit the space between the hooking and the response, this block of space that holds so much aliveness, a space that we should meet with curiosity and not judgment. And so, as you are in relation to me, I invite you to take an active role and notice what I am hooking into for you and what that tells you about the geography of your inner landscape. We learn the most about ourselves in relationship with others, and I am deeply grateful to be in this relationship with you. I learn so much about myself in this interface, and I hope that I can serve as a mirror for you to look at yourself more deeply. On this note, if you'd like to take out a pen and paper to jot down your reactions or thoughts or feelings or sensations as you show up for this episode, feel free to do so. There won't be an embodied practice that accompanies this episode because in some way I am merging the embodied practice and this episode in how I am asking you to show up. You can make this an embodied practice in deep listening and allowing anger to rise, or you can engage with this episode in your own way. But allow everything that needs to surface to surface, and know that you are able to do that in this wonderful container that we have here together. Now, from this embodied place, I invite you to bring your anger into the room to honor and to thank it for what it might be teaching you, for what it might be pointing towards. We don't have a lot of opportunities to do this in society because anger is so stigmatized, and often our displays of anger are unwelcome in the spaces we inhabit. But in this container, know that I love you and your anger, that I honor you and your anger, that I am so deeply thankful for you showing up in all that you are, and I honor whatever will come up for you as we go on this journey through anger together. This story starts in many places. Maybe I have been too linear in my storytelling, and in this moment I honor that the origins of a story, or of a relationship in this case, starts in many places. Often, these stories that we are flung into have their genesis in lives that have been lived before our conception in this world. For me, this feels most true, and I know that my anger is carried through generations of ancestors and finds itself being birthed in me. So, in some ways, 
This story begins with the story of my ancestors, and I use ancestors here to mean my human and more than human relations, especially the land. Maybe the land and my animal, human included, ancestors, chose me, gifted me with this huge sacred rage that moves beyond my physical body and holds such immense power. I am grateful for this gift of rage and for my ability to hold the rage of my people and the rage of this land, to not look away from it but to allow it to flow and move through me, and in this way, my rage can be a connecting force and a driver of change. It is this righteous anger that I am deeply grateful for, the anger that I feel with the earth and all my relations as we bear witness to the forces of violence and disconnection that are tearing through our world. This story, too, could start in an origin myth. <laughs> From when I was a baby, my caretaker started to have visions of my life before this one, of the violence that my body endured and my eventual death. From a young age, I carried that anger, too, although I didn't know that I carried it. I carried that anger for so long not as a gift, but as a burden, as a scar or as a slightly open wound. This story also starts in my childhood, in my family of origin. As a child, I never felt that I was able to express all of my emotions fully. I often felt that my expressions of joy and happiness were celebrated by the people around me, while my experiences of anger were met with confusion and fear. Then, the story also begins with the story of my mother, and specifically my maternal ancestors. With the relationship to anger that my mother internalized through her growing up and socialization, and how that in turn affected me and our family system. This is all to say, there are many ways to start this story that actually doesn't have a start or a beginning. It has many. I'm going to jump into the story then at a very clear plot point, my hospitalization. But the things that I want you to know before that are that I came into the world with this ability to access anger and rage, to access anger and rage that is not only my own, and in this way I am deeply grateful for this anger because I am able to access the anger of the world. Anger, which has been a force that disconnects me when I have repressed it and held it in the shadows, is also a force that deeply connects me when I have led it into the light of day. Gratitude for anger, for this teacher, for its pointing of us towards something greater. Here, I'm thinking once again of Thich Nhat Hanh, who once said, my teaching is like a finger pointing to the moon. Do not mistake the finger for the moon. In this way, I think anger is the teacher who points us towards the moon, but it is vitally important that we do not become consumed with the hand, with the finger, but that we accept the blessing of being pointed towards our moon. In tarot, fun tarot fact, the moon... <laughs> A card in the Major Arcana represents our inner landscapes. This 
is the moon that anger points us towards. Gratitude for anger. When I was discharged from the hospital, I started to develop an anger so intense and so consuming and frankly so terrifying that I was afraid of myself. I remember seeing an energy healer at the time and she said it was like I was a series of live wires crossed over one another, sparking randomly and furiously. That is how I would best describe this anger. It felt electric. It often felt random, but it felt immense. I never knew when I was going to go into anger, when it was going to consume me, and I was constantly on edge because I had no idea when the live wire would spark, and who would be in harm's way when it did. I want to immerse you in this anger, and in your own anger, because for many of us, this is what anger feels like. This anger also felt new to me, because my anger didn't always manifest in this way. When I was a child, I kept it in, and once in a while I would explode, but then I would continue to store it away. I don't remember many times before my hospitalization when I allowed this anger to show, but I remember once, and I remember when I did, the horrified expression that I was met with. Throughout my childhood, I internalized that anger was bad, that it wasn't an emotion to be honored or showed, and that it was to be discarded and repressed. Anger would make me a monster. And as I internalized these messages, I started to develop a fear of anger. So when my anger took over, I was simultaneously experiencing this immense rage as well as a deep fear of it, running towards and running away all at once. As I became immersed in this anger, it felt like, if my brain was a control room for the rest of my body, anger had taken full control and was in charge of the whole operation. It also felt like a spirit, an enormous force that had possessed me, and I didn't know where I ended and my anger began, if we were two forces or one, or if I had become anger. This idea of anger as a possessive spirit or a pilot gone haywire in the control room really captures how I felt about my anger in the earliest days of my bipolar diagnosis, and because of that, I really struggled to connect with this force because it felt imposing, violating, possessive, and unwelcome. When I experienced this anger, it was explosive, and at that time, it was usually directed at someone. It took its aim and would shoot, without concern for the target or the destruction that might be caused. If we continue here with the idea of anger as a spirit, it was not a peaceful possession. I was fighting the anger, denying the anger, judging the anger, trying to lock the anger up, and that was only making it grow bigger and more volatile. Now I can see that my anger was saying, see me, hear me, look at me, but I was so filled with disgust at myself and at the anger that I couldn't, 
I felt that I was a monster, and I couldn't bear to look at it, at the monstrosity that I now embodied and had become. And here, I am reminded of the wave shoreline imagery I used in the last podcast episode. If anger was the wave, I was the wave. There was no distinguishing between me and this enormous emotion, and I felt vulnerable to the pulls of the tide which would affect the ebb and flow of this rage. I want to be clear in what I am saying, because I am not advocating for us all to become waves of anger, but had I been connected to the shoreline, to my ability to experience emotions in a passing way through my body, I would have related to this anger then in the way that I relate to it now, as a medicine. But I am also grateful for the gift of experiencing being the wave and being the anger, in some way which I probably don't have the words to explain, This anger birthed me as much as I birthed it, and it was in meeting it fully that I was able to learn what I have learned about an oft-misunderstood gift. What I didn't know then, and what I wish I knew, was that the single most important thing I could do was to look at the anger, to sit with the anger, Not to run from it, not to repress it or to squash it, but to be with it in a deep way. To meet anger with compassion and with understanding and not with fear and judgment. When I started to sit with my anger, I started to see what I call the anger bubble. I have a lot of weird names for things I experience, but let me introduce you to the anger bubble. My therapist always says that anger is a secondary emotion, that something sits underneath it, and I would agree. How I understand that is that anger points us to the thing underneath. It is not a passive actor, but an active first responder on the scene of your emotions that says, hey, hey. You, look here. (laughs) There's something you need to see. Unfortunately, most of us aren't taught how to see anger in this way, to see anger as the alerter, to make up another word, but we simply see anger as an unpleasant emotion, and in this way, we completely miss anger's actual message. The more we ignore the message, the more the anger bubbles up to alert us to it. If I could draw a cartoon of anger, I'd see anger as a child pulling on your pant leg and pointing towards something else, whether in the distance or much closer. Sometimes this child is pointing towards our boundaries having been crossed, to resentment that has been building, or to something else altogether. But at the edge of the anger bubble... I had this immense, consuming anger. As I sat with the bubble, and really sat with the bubble, I slipped through the anger's permeable walls and found myself in a totally different and unexpected emotion. Fear. When I saw this, I realized that I was using anger as a protection mechanism, But under the anger was something totally different, 
And to protect myself from this much scarier and more frightening sensation, literally, I would move into anger. There was so much fear in the middle of the bubble. I didn't realize this, but I was in a constant state of fear. My nervous system and my fight-or-flight response had been so triggered by my assault and hospitalization that I was in a constant state of fight-or-flight. I was constantly searching my environment for signs of threat, but I was doing this without my conscious mind's knowledge or without the necessary flow between mind and body. So my mind was trying to sort through these emotions using logic, which it was unable to, while my body, the actual seat of my emotions, was constantly searching for threat, for reason to fight or flight, and my response to this intense triggering was anger. Anger felt like it could protect me. It put a barrier between me and the threats of the world, and my body desperately needed to be protected because I felt perpetually unsafe. Seeing and sitting with that underlying fear was the next step in my journey. I realized that the trauma I had experienced had resurfaced all of my fears. My fears of abandonment, my fears of rejection, of being alone, of being unworthy of connection and belonging, my fears of not, of never being good enough, and my fears that I was unlovable were all swimming around inside of me. This immense anger that I had experienced was pointing towards the fear. It was showing me the fear, pulling on my leg and saying, Hey, look under, look deeper. But it also became a trauma response to any threat to my sense of safety. When I was able to bring calm to my nervous system, enough calm to allow myself to settle and feel safe enough to look under the anger as well as embrace the anger and meeting it with compassion, that allowed me to look a layer deeper. To look at the fears that I have carried throughout my entire lifetime, from conception to present, I was looking at a lifetime of unprocessed fears that needed, like my anger, to be met with love and compassion and acceptance. Now, this wasn't easy. None of this is. It is painstaking and intensely painful and terrifying and hard, but it is also rewarding beyond words. It is experiences like these that make me grateful for my unraveling, because it was so, so necessary, and I needed to stop running from myself and from the world— it was only in sitting with the anger that my relationship with it changed and that I could see it as a medicine, but also that I could gain greater awareness of it. I now know that I usually go into anger when I feel fear, when I feel vulnerable and unsafe, and when I haven't upheld my boundaries and capacities and have allowed myself to go into resentment, which, if left unchecked, brings me into anger. But I hope here you can see that my anger was alerting me to all these things under the surface. I now can sit with the anger, 
find its sources, and then see what that source has to tell me. Allowing my anger to bring me to my fear, and then to do the necessary healing work of meeting that fear and bringing it the medicine it needed, has changed my life greatly. Allowing anger to point me towards my boundaries and my capacities, and allowing that anger to teach me about what is and is not acceptable to me, was also profoundly healing. Allowing that anger to show me my discomfort with vulnerability and being seen is the only reason that I can show up here with you as vulnerably and authentically as I do. I thank this healing anger. I thank anger for being the force and the medicine that I healed with and not healed from. So, If there's any takeaway I hope you have mined from this, it is do not pathologize your anger. Do not meet your anger with contempt or disgust. Meet your anger with love and compassion and curiosity as you would meet a great and wise teacher. And ask your anger, what do you have to show me? And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I invite you to breathe again, recenter, refind home in your body. Honor whatever thoughts and feelings have come up for you and treat them with the same curiosity that you might treat this anger. What do you have to show or tell me? I am holding you in your anger and I thank you for your anger. It is this righteous anger this righteous rage that we so desperately need to transform this world, to allow our anger at the destruction that we see of our cultures, our land, our people, our world, to bubble up and to move us towards a greater understanding of self and of world, but also, ultimately, towards change. We must be angry. We must invoke this massive rage, And we must channel it into creating a radically different world. The Dalai Lama once said, It is not enough to remain quietly meditating in the monastery. We must confront the violence in the outside world. I wholeheartedly agree with this. And I am deeply saddened when I see those on the spiritual path who believe that their work begins and ends with them. As we do this deep healing work, we must allow ourselves to become enraged with the state of our world, and we must allow this anger to move us towards a wrathful compassion to end the needless suffering and manufactured scarcity so prevalent in this current iteration of society. Next week's episode is about compassion, a force so radical, so transformative, that I believe it is the key to changing ourselves and our world. I can't wait to sit in deep compassion with you. Until then, with all the love in the world, take care.